Hi, this is Dr. Pat. And from all of us here at the Dr. Pat Show and Transformation Talk Radio, want to wish you the best holiday season ever. We are thrilled and honored to present the enlightened message of Scrooge, which takes a modern look at Charles Dickens' beloved tale, A Christmas Carol, through the lens of an old-time radio drama. We love radio. This high-flying listening adventure features a cast of radio actors and a team of live sound effects operators coming together to create an edge of your listening seat production where Scrooge is never more miserably, the spirits more scary, or Tiny Tim more lovable. Be transported back in time with Scrooge on a life-altering journey to the truth discovery of the meaning of Christmas. Through this adaptation by Michael Ingersoll and commentary by Reverend Kathy Ann Lewis, we get to see how the lessons learned by Scrooge can still be applied to our lives today, helping enlighten us to more fully living with peace, goodwill, and care for one another. The Enlightened Message of Scrooge is a production of the Center for Spiritual Living, Seattle's leading transdenominational intergenerational church, celebrating the wisdom, truths, and lessons learned from all the world's greatest spiritual traditions. Members of the CSL community are seeking, like Scrooge, how the spiritual knowledge of the past and present can help us build lives of meaning, purpose, and fulfillment while contributing to the well-being of all. And where, as Tiny Tim says, God will bless us, everyone. To find out more about the Center for Spiritual Living in Seattle, visit spiritualliving.org. That's spiritualliving.org. Hi, this is Kathy Ann Lewis, and I'm the Senior Minister at the Center for Spiritual Living. I hope that you enjoy our production of The Enlightened Message of Scrooge. What this story tells me, and I hope all who listen, is that we can change. That if we really look into our past, we will discover our own original innocence, our own original goodness. And then we can play it out from there. So during this beautiful, wonderful holiday season where the nights are long and the days are short, I wish for you a time of dreaming and planning and expecting the very best for yourself, for your family, your friends, and the world. And then we turn all of those dreams, all of those ideas over to something greater than ourselves. this thing that is known by many names. And then through the springtime, we wait with glad anticipation, the fulfillment of of our good. Many blessings and Happy New Year. Hello, I'm Reverend Kathy Ann Lewis, and I want to welcome all of you, those in the audience and those listening to us now, to the enlightened message of Scrooge. 170 years ago, this month, the novelist Charles Dickens published a moral fable in the hopes that this might do more than all of his political tracts to attract the attention of the ill treatment of the poor and especially children in industrial Britain. That there are more humane alternatives to workhouses and debtors' prisons is due in great part to the public response to Dickens' body of work, especially in this tale called A Christmas Carol. Our rendition of A Christmas Carol, the enlightened message of Scrooge, is a radio theater offering, and we encourage your participation in two ways. First, feel free to laugh, to cheer, to gasp. Second, let yourself be enlightened. Now, enlightenment means to gain spiritual or intellectual understanding. And since the story of Scrooge and his guiding ghosts continues to be told, I must assume that we have not gotten the collective message in the collective consciousness. Perhaps our oversoul, as Emerson would say, still needs or wants a deeper meaning that is available in this story. For instance, maybe we need to learn we really can change. Maybe we need to recall and renew our original innocence. Maybe we need to know that our future and the future of those that we love can change 
that just because something is happening now, it doesn't mean it has to continue. So, many of us know the story. But let's listen again, like for the very first time. Once upon a time, of all the good days in the year on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. Ebenezer Scrooge was a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, covetous old sinner, a hard-hearted miser. He was a morose and lonely old man who consorted with nobody but himself. On this evening, the office of Scrooge and Marley was shrouded in cold, bleak, biting weather. External heat and cold had little influence on Scrooge. No fire could warm, no wintry weather could chill him. No wind that blew was bitterer than he. Christmas. Humbug! Be gone, you miserable little beggars! Take your infernal Christmas carols and get away from my door! Sorry, sir. Merry Christmas, though, sir. Bah! And you, nephew, what right have you to be merry? You're poor enough. Christmas, bah! Humbug! Christmas, a humbug, Uncle? You don't mean that, I'm sure. Well, what right have you to be dismal about Christmas? You're rich enough. Uh, what else can I be, Fred, when I live in such a world of fools as this? Merry Christmas! If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips would, would be boiled with his own pudding <laughs> and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Ha! Keep Christmas in your own way, nephew, and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But, but you don't keep it, Uncle. Well, let me leave it alone, then. Much good may it do you. Much good it ever has done you. Yeah, but Christmas is a good time, Uncle. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. When men and women open their shut-up hearts freely. And therefore, Uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good and will do me good, and I say, God bless it. God bless Christmas. You there, Bob Cratchit. Let me hear another sound from you, and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. Yes, sir. Don't be angry, Uncle. Come, dine with us for Christmas dinner tomorrow. Kate would love to meet you. Kate? Oh, yes, your wife. Why did you get married? Because I fell in love, Uncle. Oh, uh, because you fell in love with a woman as penniless as yourself, Fred. Uh, good afternoon. <laughs> I want nothing from you, and I ask nothing of you. So, a Merry Christmas, Good Uncle. afternoon. <laughs> and a Happy New Year. Good afternoon. Mr. Cratchit, see my nephew out. In this way, Mr. Fred. And uh, Merry Christmas. And to you and your family, Bob. How is Mrs. Cratchit and your children, and, and especially your youngest, the little lame boy? Tim, sir. Tiny Tim. He's getting better, and thank you for asking. Merry Christmas. My clerk, with 15 shillings a week and a wife and family, talking about a merry Christmas. I'll retire to Bedlam. Um, two to see you, sir. Good day, sir. Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley, my partner, has been dead these seven years. In fact, he died seven years ago this very night. I am Ebenezer Scrooge. At this festive season, Mr. Scrooge, we seek charity for the poor and destitute. You see, many thousands are in want of common necessities. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comfort, sir. Are there no prisons? Uh, plenty of prisons. And the union workhouses, are they still in operation? They are. I wish I could say that they were not. The treadmill and the poor law are in full vigor then? Both very busy, sir. Oh, I was, I was afraid that something had stopped them in their useful course. <laughs> I'm very glad to hear it. A few of us wish to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. We do so now because it is a time when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. So, 
What shall I put you down for? Nothing. Oh, you wish to be anonymous. Sir. I wish to be left alone. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. I help to support the prisons and workhouses. They cost enough. Let those who are badly off go there. Oh, but many can't go there. Many would rather die. If they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. I see. So the firm of Scrooge and Marling... Decline. It's enough for a man to understand his own business and not to interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Good evening, then. Very well. You've made your views quite clear. Good evening to you, sir. Um, Mr. Scrooge, sir. It's seven o'clock, and it is Christmas Eve. So, oh, I suppose you'll want all day tomorrow, eh, Mr. Cratchit? Uh, if it's quite convenient. It's so. not convenient, and it's not fair. If I were to duck you half a crown for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, I'll be bound. And yet you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. Tis but once a year, Ah, it's so. a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Ah, well, you'll be here all the earlier the next morning, Mr. Cratchit. I will, sir. And thank you. And, uh, Merry Christmas. Ah, Merry Christmas indeed. Bah! Scrooge took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern and walked home through the rolling fog and bitter cold. Icy Scrooge trudged along the dark streets. But... Just as he reached the door of his dismal house, he thought he heard something calling. It was the voice of his long-dead partner, Jacob Marley, whose ghostly face appeared on the door knocker. Scrooge hurried inside, closed the door, and locked himself in. He double-locked himself in. He checked the sitting room, bedroom, lumber room, all as they should be. Nobody under the table, nobody under the sofa, nobody under the bed, and nobody in the closet. (laughs) Secured against surprise, old Scrooge put on his dressing gown and nightcap and sat down before the fire to take his gruel. When, suddenly... No nonsense. Humbug. It's all humbug. I had, I just... What? What's that? Someone's in the cellar. But the doors are locked. Double locked. Something is is coming. Up the stairs. Closer. It's outside my door. It's humbug. I won't believe it. It's humbug, I say. What do you want with me? Who, who are you? In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. You don't believe in me, Scrooge? Why do you doubt your senses? Disorder of the stomach makes them cheat. You're not, a, you're not a ghost. You're just a bit of bad beef. A blot of mustard, a fragment of an underdone potato. <laughs> There's more of gravy than of grave about you, whatever you are. Humbug, I tell you! Believe you, I must. Oh, dreadful aberration. Why do spirits walk the earth? Why come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men. And if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. Doomed to wander the world and witness what it cannot share. But might have shared and turned to happiness. You are better, Jacob. Tell me why. I wear the chains I forged in life, link by link, yard by yard. I am chained by cash boxes, keys, padlocks, ledgers. 
witness the weight and length of strong chain you bear yourself, Scrooge. It is a ponderous chain. <laughs> I, I see no chains. You shall, on the day of your death, mark me. In life, my spirit never roved beyond the narrow limits of our money-changing hole. <laughs> now I am doomed to wander without rest or peace. No regret can make amends for one's life's opportunity misused. But you were always a good man of business. Business? Business? And kind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. Oh, and it is at this time of the rolling year that I suffer most. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry for you, Jacob. Is there anything I can do? For me, it is too late. But I have come to warn you of a hope and chance of escaping my fate. You will be haunted by three spirits. Expect the first tomorrow when the bell tolls one. The second, the next night at the same hour. The third, upon the next night at the last stroke of twelve. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Beware your cruel fate, Ebenezer. Beware, beware. Scrooge awoke. He was lying on his bed, still in his robe. Was Marley's visit a dream or not? He decided it was a dream and nothing more, but suddenly... The curtains of his bed were drawn aside and Scrooge found himself face to face with the unearthly visitor who drew them. It was a strange figure, like a child, yet... Not so like a child, it's like a woman. Ebenezer Scrooge. Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? Your past. I came for your welfare. Rise and walk with me. <gasps> Out the window? But I am immortal and liable to fall. Oh, bear but a touch of my hand on your heart, and you shall be upheld in more than this. As the words were spoken, they passed through the wall and stood upon an open country road with fields on either hand. A little market town appeared in the distance with its bridge, its church, and its winding river. It was a clear, cold winter day with snow upon the ground. Do you recognize this place, Scrooge? Good heaven! I was bred in this place. I was a boy here. Look! In that coach going by, it's my schoolmates, Charles and John. Hello, Johnny, <laughs> it's me, Ebenezer. Wait, these are but shadows of the things that have been. They have no consciousness of us. Come. Why, it's my old schoolhouse. On Christmas Eve, the school is not quite deserted. A solitary child, neglected by his friends, is left there still. A lonely boy reading beside a feeble fire. Do you know him? Yes, I know. I am that child, alone. Oh, poor boy. Why? Oh, I, I wish. But it's too late now. What is the matter? I think there's something on your mind. Oh, nothing. You see, there was a boy singing a Christmas carol at my door last night. I should like to have given him something. That's all. Let us see another Christmas. Come. Why, it's me. Years later, but still away at this dismal school, alone on Christmas. Ebenezer! 
haven't either. Oh, it's Fan, my sister, my beloved Fan. Dear, dear brother, I have come to take you home. <laughs> yes, home. Father's so much kinder than he used to be that home is like heaven. And we're to be together all Christmas long and have the merriest time in the world. Come with me. Let us go. <laughs> Your sister always was a delicate creature whom a breath might have withered. But she had a large heart. She died a married woman but had, as I think, children. One child. My nephew, Fred. Oh, my, how he does resemble his mother. Come to another Christmas past. A celebration. Tonight, Christmas Eve. <laughs> Join in the festivities. Merry Christmas, all. Come and dance. Highly ho! Do you recognize yourself, Scrooge? A young man with a twinkle in your eye and a future before you. You're quite enjoying yourself. Oh, it was a marvelous party with cake and punch and cold roast and mince pies and plenty of beer. Look at old Fezziwig, how he dances. Oh, oh it's glorious! What a jolly time we used to have. It was a small matter for old Fezziwig to make these silly folks so full of gratitude. Small matter, small indeed. But he spent only a few pounds of your mortal money, and look. What? Is something bothering you, Scrooge? No, no. But I should like to say a word or two to my clerk, Bob Cratchit, just now. Scrooge, my time grows short. Quick, several years later. As beautiful as ever. A penniless girl who loved you, Scrooge. And I, her. It didn't matter that she had no dowry. We were so happy together. Until your career with Jacob Marley came between you. As you gained, so you lost. Do you see yourself? You're older now, a man in the prime of life. Your face has begun to wear the signs of care and avarice. Your eyes are greedy. No. The eager, restless eyes of a miser. No, no, no. Spare me this. Not this spirit. No. This music box is a beautiful gift, Ebenezer. But I realize I matter little to you. Very little. To protect yourself from a hard and cruel world, you have become hard and cruel in response. I have tried to cheer and comfort you, but another idol has displaced me. What idol could ever displace you, Belle? You now worship a golden idol. I have seen your nobler aspirations fall off one by one. Oh, oh, Ebenezer, you've become another man. I, w I wanted security, success for you, Belle. I seek tenderness, not riches. Therefore, even though it is Christmas, I release you from our engagement no. with a full heart for the love of him you once were. No, no, Belle, don't, Lord, don't. Dear, dear, dear oh. Ebenezer, may you be happy in the life you have chosen. Oh, Belle, <laughs> Belle, no. Oh, oh, spirit, show me no more. Why do you torture me? Oh, remove me, I cannot bear it. Haunt me no longer. No longer! No longer! The whole scene disappeared and Scrooge found himself once more alone back on his bed. He drifted off to sleep only to be awakened again by the stroke of one. He gradually noticed a great blaze of ruddy light glowing from beneath the door. Something was in the outer room. Oh, come in, Ebenezer Scrooge. Come in. 
Scrooge opened the door and beheld his sitting room transformed. The walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked a perfect grove. Around the blazing fire lay a feast of meats and fruits, seething bowls of punch. And there sat a jolly giant, oh, glorious to see. He bore a glowing torch shaped like Plenty's horn and held it up, high up, to shed its light on Scrooge as he came peeping round the door. Come in, come in, know me better, man. I am the ghost of Christmas present. <laughs> Look upon me. Spirit, conduct me where you will. I went forth last night on compulsion and learned a lesson which is working now. Tonight, if you have aught to teach me, let me profit oh, by it. Oh, very well. Touch my robe. And instantly, they were transported to the streets of London on a bright Christmas day. The shops were bustling with jolly people completing their errands or returning from church. Presently, Scrooge and the spirit came to Camden Town, to a humble house on a humble street. This is the home of my clerk, Bob Cratchit, his wife and six children. Why are we here, spirit? What has ever got your precious father then? And your brother, Tiny Tim? <laughs> oh, but here's Martha, Mother. Hurrah! <laughs> Sorry I'm late, Mother. Oh, well, never mind. So long as you are come. I'll sit down by the fire, my dear, and have a warm Lord bless ya. No, Father's coming. Hide, Martha, hide. <laughs> Father, Father. Oh, Peter, Belinda, Frederick, Harriet. Why, where's Martha? Oh, not coming. Not coming? Not coming upon Christmas Day? Ah, here I am, Father. (laughs) Merry Christmas. How did little Tim behave at church, Bob? As good as gold, Mother, and better. Eh, Tim? (coughs) They sang ever so nice, Mother. Oh, Tim? On the way home, he told me he hoped people saw him in the church because it may be pleasant for them to remember at Christmas who made the blind men see. And the lame beggars walk. Oh, bless you, my son. See, Mother, his heart is strong, and he will get better. I know it. Oh, let's play a game, oh, yes, Father. Yes. Play the memory game with us. Oh, and then we'll sing some songs and... Oh, look! Oh, smell that goose! Look, look! There was never such a goose. Never! All right, all right. Be seated. Here you go. Take your turn now. There's plenty of stuffing, potatoes, and plum pudding for all of you. Martha, dear, sit next to Tiny Tim and make sure he eats plenty. He must get strong and well. If anything should happen to him... Oh, Mother, don't even think that. I'll see that he eats well. Quiet. Quiet, please. Such a feast requires a Merry Christmas to us all. God bless us. 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 God bless us, everyone. Tell me, Spirit. Tell me if Tiny Tim will live. I see a vacant seat by the chimney and a crutch without an owner, but carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No. Oh, no, kind spirit. Say he will be spared. Oh, why? If he would rather die, he'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. Oh, you use my own words against me. Yes. Perhaps in the future you will hold your tongue until you have discovered what the surplus population is and where it is. I didn't. It may be that in the sight of heaven... You are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. Here's the punch, steaming hot. Take your turn. There's enough for a toast and one after that. A toast, a toast, a toast to Christmas. Here, I would like to propose a toast to... Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. To Mr. Scrooge. The founder of the feast, indeed. I wish I had Mr. Scrooge here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon, and I'd hope he'd have a good appetite for it. Because... My dear, it's Christmas Day. 
All right, Bob. I'll drink to his health for your sake and the day, not for his. <clears throat> Long life to him. A merry Christmas and a happy new year. He'll be very merry and very happy, I have no doubt. Come, Ebenezer, to a gathering across town. My nephew, Fred, his wife, Kate, and their many hungry friends. <laughs> and then he said oh. Christmas was a humbug, as I live. And he oh. believed it, too. <laughs> oh, more shame for him, Fred. Uh, he's a comical old fellow, that's the truth. And not so pleasant as he might be. Uh. However, his offenses carry their own punishment, and I have nothing to say against I'm him. I'm sure he's very rich. At least you always tell me so. What of that, my dear wife? His, his wealth is of no use to him. Him. He doesn't make himself comfortable with it. I have it. no patience with him. Well, I have. I'm sorry for him. I, I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers by his ill whims? Himself always. I mean to give him the same chance every year, whether he likes it or not. So, so here. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the old man. Whatever he is, he wouldn't take it from me, but he may have it just the same. To Uncle Scrooge! To Uncle Scrooge! <laughs> Come, Ebenezer. There is much more to see. Men who keep Christmas in their hearts. Come. Much they saw, and far they went, and many homes they visited, but always with a happy end. The spirits stood beside sickbeds, and they were cheerful by poverty, and it was rich. In almshouse, hospital, and jail, in miseries, every refuge, the spirit of Christmas left his blessing and taught Scrooge as he went. At last, they returned to the streets of London for the spirit's final lesson, but the spirit had aged. My life upon this globe is very brief. My time with you, Ebenezer, is almost done. Have you gained by what I have shown you of the good in most men's hearts? Oh, I, I, I don't know. How can I promise? Perhaps I'm too old to change. If it is too hard a lesson to learn, then look upon these. Look here, under my robe. <gasps> what? Oh, too frightful, hideous, miserable children. Spirit, are they... Are they yours? They are man's children. This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware them both and all of their degree. But most of all, beware this boy. For on his brow I see that written which is doom. Unless the writing be erased. Without the spirit of Christmas to comfort them, greed would release these wretched beings upon the world. But spirit, have they no refuge or, or resource? Are there no workhouses? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? Are there no prisons? No workhouses? And with that, the ghost of Christmas present dissolved into the mist, and Scrooge stood alone upon the street. As the last stroke of midnight rang, Scrooge remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley, and lifting his eyes, he beheld the third spirit, a solemn phantom, shrouded in black, draped and hooded, coming like a mist along the ground towards him. Oh, I am in the presence of the ghost of Christmas, yet to come? You are about to show me shadows of the things that have not yet happened, but will happen? Oh, spirit, will you not speak to me? Oh, ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I've seen. But as I know your purpose is to do me good, and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, lead on. The night is waning fast, and it is precious time to me. Lead on. Why, it's my accustomed corner at the Royal Exchange among the merchants. And here are my fellow businessmen as I have seen them often. I don't know much about it either way. 
I only know he's dead. When did he die? Last night, I believe. Well, old Scratch has got his own at last, eh? <laughs> so I'm told. What has he done with his money? His company, perhaps. He hasn't lent it to me, that's all I know. <laughs> well, it's likely to be a very cheap funeral. For upon my life, I don't know anybody to go to it. I don't mind going if lunch is provided. <laughs> Spirit, why show me this trivial conversation? They can't be discussing the death of my old partner, Jacob. Is there some hidden purpose? I expect the conduct of my future self to provide some late moral for my own improvement. I have been resolving a change of life, and I hope you can show me my newborn resolutions being carried out here. What obscure part of town are we in now, spirit? This whole quarter reeks with crime, with filth and misery. Why bring me to this low-browed, beetling hovel, a rag and bottle shop? Who are those grotesque people? Here, old Joe. Let me be the first. Let the laundress be second. And let the undertaker's man be third. Well, then, what have you got to sell? What have you got to sell? Who's the worst for the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead man, I suppose. Oh, indeed. If you wanted to keep him after he was dead, the wicked old screw, why wasn't he amiable in his lifetime? Well, if it had been, he'd have had somebody to look after him when he was struck with death. Instead of lying there, gasping out his last, alone, by himself. Tis the truest word that ever was spoke. It's a judgment upon him, it is. <laughs> oh, oh, what's this? Bed curtains! <laughs> oh. Ah, yes, dead curtains. <laughs> you don't mean to say you took them down, rings and all, with him, him lying there. Why not? Oh, don't drop no oil upon the blankets now. Oh, his blankets do. And this fine shirt. He's the best he had. <laughs> They'd have wasted it by dressing him up if it hadn't been for me. <laughs> oh, spirit, I see. I see. The case of this unhappy man might be my own. My life tends that way now. Spirit, once more we are at the home of Bob Pratchett. But it is different, so quiet. What is it, Spirit? What kind of Christmas is this? And he took a child and set him in the midst of them and answered, I say unto you that none but those who are as humble as little children shall enter into heaven. Whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Stop. Peter, stop reading. Oh, my son. My son, Tiny Tim. Mother, please don't cry. Father will be home soon. Don't let him know you've been crying. Oh, he's late tonight, Martha. When he had Tiny Tim on his shoulder, he would walk very fast. Very fast indeed. But the child was light to carry, and oh, Father loved him so. He was no trouble. No trouble at all. Here's Father now. Sorry I'm late, Mother. I wish you could have gone. It would have done you good to see how... Green, a place it is. He's near a tree. But you'll see it often. I promised... I promised Tim <laughs> that we would walk there on Sundays. Oh, Bob. Oh, little child. My little, little child. Spectre, something informs me that we... that our parting moment is in Where are we now? Oh, oh, no 
merciful heaven, a dismal ruinous churchyard, desolate, lonely, crumbling graves. Here, here, this grave, who lay underneath? Before I draw nearer to that stone, tell me, spirit, are these the shadows of things that will be, or are they the shadows of things that may be only? That gravestone, what is written upon it? Wait, the the name on that grave is Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge! No! Oh, Spirit, why show me this if I am past all hope? Am I to become like Jacob Marley, like the other cursed ghost, chained, wandering the earth forever? the man I was. Tell me that I may change these dreadful shadows. Oh, oh, Christmas in my heart. I'll try and keep it all the year. I'll I'll live in the past, the present, and the future, and not shut out the lessons they teach. I pray, please, Spirit, that I may sponge away the writing on this stone. I beg you, I'll change, I'll change, I pray. I don't know what day of the month it is. <laughs> I don't know how long I've been among the spirits. I, I don't know anything. <laughs> I am as light as a feather, as happy as an angel, as merry as a schoolboy. <laughs> I'm as giddy as a drunken man. <laughs> oh, glorious light, fresh air. <gasps> oh, the window. <laughs> Why, <laughs> Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year, sir. Boy, boy, what's today? What day is it, my fine fellow? Today? Why, it's Christmas Day, sir. Oh, Christmas Day. Oh, I haven't missed it. Oh, the spirits have done it all in one night. <laughs> boy, boy, do you know the poulterers in the next street at the corner? I should hope I did. Do you know whether they sold that prize turkey that was hanging up there? What? The one as big as me? It's hanging there now. Oh, is it? Well, go and buy it. No, no, I'm in earnest. Go and buy it and tell them to bring it here. Scrooge sent the boy to buy the prize turkey and have it delivered to the Cratchit family as an anonymous gift. Then the new Ebenezer Scrooge dressed himself all in his best and got out into the streets of London. By this time, people were pouring forth and Scrooge regarded all with a delighted smile and a hearty holiday greeting. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! By mere chance, Scrooge came upon the charity seekers he had dismissed yesterday. But today, he apologized and made a large donation to their worthy cause, with many back payments included. He went to church, walked about the streets, watched people hurrying to and fro... He patted children on the head, he questioned beggars, and found that everything could yield him pleasure. In the afternoon, he turned his steps to the door of his nephew, Fred, who was in the midst of Christmas dinner with his wife and their many hungry friends. (laughs) Uncle Ebenezer, why, why, I can't believe you're really here at my home. And Christmas? Oh, I come to beg your pardon, Fred, for the things I said about Christmas. That was a humbug. Was it? Well, I I don't know what to say. Do do come in. Uh, May I present my wife, Kate? Uncle Ebenezer, I 
I never expected this of you. Oh, Kate, can you forgive an old fool? And God forgive me for the time I've wasted. Well, join the feast, Uncle. Set another place at the table. Here, here, I propose a toast. A toast to Uncle Scrooge. The next morning, he was early at the office. If only he could be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late. (laughs) That's what he had his heart set upon. And was Bob ever late? The clock struck nine. No Bob. Quarter past. No Bob. Finally. Mr. Cratchit! What do you mean by coming in at this time of day? I I am very sorry, sir. I I am behind in my time. I'm... It shall not be repeated. I am... I was making... Bob Cratchit! I'll not stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore... Therefore... I am about to raise your salary. Oh, please, sir. You're going to raise my salary? Wait, no, 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 Bob. I've not lost my senses. I've come to then. A merry Christmas, Bob. A merrier Christmas than I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family, and we will discuss your affairs this very afternoon over a Christmas bowl of punch. Oh, Bob, Merry Christmas! (laughs) Scrooge was better than his word. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city ever knew. And to Tiny Tim, who got well... He became a second father. (laughs) And it was always said of Ebenezer Scrooge that he knew how to keep Christmas well. May that be truly said of us, all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed... God bless us, everyone. And so, one of the morals to this story is that there is a spirit. No matter what you believe, no matter what your religious affiliation, there is a spirit of goodness, of joy, of cheer. It's real, and it will make a difference in your life. Let us, perhaps, do what Scrooge did. Look at his life from the end See how we want our lives to end. And then live that way. Merry Christmas. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Pat. From all of us here at the Dr. Pat Show and Transformation Talk Radio, we want to wish you the very, very best. An epic year of transformation and abundance. We want to thank you for everything you've done in supporting us over the years. So remember as you go through this holiday season to lead with your heart and lift with your soul. From all of us here at the Dr. Pat Show and Transformation Talk Radio, we absolutely love you. And we're so grateful you'll be taking this journey with us next year. Remember, we're all called to shine and living an epic life is our birthright. That's the way we're going to connect with you next year with that in mind that level of consciousness, and a consciousness to do great things in the world. For more information about us, go to TransformationTalkRadio.com or TheDrPatShow.com. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Pat. Happy holidays to all of you out there and a very special new year. We have a special song for you. Something that was written and produced and directed by our very own Jessica Henderson. So for those of you out there that are feeling the love, here is her incredible song, Date with Santa. Santa. 